BAM Radio Network. You may start off with rewards, but ultimately it's the relationship with a caring adult that probably makes the biggest difference. In one of the cities, when monetary rewards were used, there was shown to be an increase in some kind of achievement. But it turns out when you look at the initial high performers versus the initial low performers, all the advantage was the initial high performers who got a little higher. The initial low performers didn't improve at all, and yet the whole reason for doing the program in the first place is to reduce the achievement gap. Hi, welcome to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. Good morning, James. Edward, Lisa. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Child. James, you often suggest rewards and positive reinforcement as a way of motivating children. What kinds of rewards do you find work best, and for what behaviors? Well, I think the rewards that work best are are not necessarily the tangible ones. I I think that rewards get a bad rap a lot of times when uh, they're thought of as M&Ms or food or something like that. But if you think about rewards as encouragement, incentives, they can be activities or opportunities or privileges. And I think that they work best at all ages for almost all kinds of behavior. And I think they're a necessary part of raising children. Okay. Lisa, rewards and incentives have always been part of education, particularly early childhood education. But the use of rewards in schools seems to be proliferating. Can you give us some examples of how they're being used? I don't know if empirically we we know that they're proliferating, but we know that there are a lot more public um, and high-profile examples. There were several experiments conducted in four cities across the country recently that looked at the use of uh, monetary rewards with children at ages, say, in second grade or fourth grade, middle school. And so those programs have gotten a lot of attention, and they've led people to ask you know, new questions about the use of rewards with young kids. And what are they finding? Well, a lot of this research is being done by uh, Roland Fryer at Harvard University in his ed labs, and it's a mixed bag in terms of results. There was a a helpful article that came out in Time magazine earlier this year that took a kind of a a look at some of his his early data on this and showed that in some cities, there was really no difference between those children who had experienced the reward program and those hadn't. But in, say, Dallas, the city of Dallas, where they'd use some rewards with second graders in terms of um, the way they rewarding second graders with more books or reading books and with money for reading books. And in those cases, they found that there was a significant difference in reading skill by the end of that. Edward, you're quite well known for your objections to the use of rewards. You contend that rewards take the joy from such tasks as reading and drawing and that they stifle intrinsic motivation. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it starts with the term rewards. You know, the term rewards is an undifferentiated term. And a lot of the problem is people use that as a term and mean different things. So I wouldn't use the word rewards to refer to what James was talking about it when he spoke of encouragement and things of that sort. It muddies the water. 
What I think is kids are born with a desire to learn. They're born with a desire to achieve and to have an impact on the world around them. All you have to do is watch a one-year-old or a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old, and you'll see it. You have to stop them from learning, from doing things that lead them to learn. They're trying out everything. They're pushing and pulling and turning things over and all the time they're engaged in activity that results in learning. And I think what happens is that adults get anxious for whatever reason and try to push them to learn more or push them to learn faster or push them to learn the specific things they want them to learn using various kinds of rewards. And I'm talking a lot about tangible rewards and to some extent about verbal rewards, depending on how verbal rewards are used. If they're used in the form of, oh, good, you're a good child, that's a verbal reward, but all the research shows that it has negative effects. Well, James, verbal rewards, you know, external rewards, it's all clearly extrinsic motivation. What are your thoughts on what that might do to a child's desire to do something for the joy or satisfaction of it? I agree that it can interfere with the intrinsic motivation. And I think there are some children that are resistant and see um, blatant use of rewards as a manipulation. And there are some children that will simply resist it for that reason. All children look for approval from the people that they're with or the people who love them, their parents, their teachers. And I think that specific verbal praise or approval is enough to continue the motivation of many children. Well, again, there's a problem with the word approval. The research shows clearly that with children, if their parents regard love, attention, and affection as made contingent upon their doing particular things, the children lose intrinsic motivation for the activity, harbor resentment and anger toward their parents, which we find 10, 15 years later, and feel a sense of inner anxiety, like this is something they've got to do to prove themselves. So I continue to think that the idea of being supportive and encouraging, of course, is very important. But when approval or love or attention is made contingent upon kids behaving in the ways you want them to, I think the results are destined to negative. Of course, Alfie Cohn is one of the most outspoken opponents to um, rewards, but even uh, praise. James, he does consider verbal praise to be manipulation. What are your thoughts on that? I don't see how you can be an effective parent or teacher without using verbal praise. Could you say what verbal praise means to you? Yeah, it's a specific verbal approval of the behavior or action, specifically what the child has done. No, I think you used the example before. If you say, you're a good boy, I don't think that that's very helpful at all. But if it's it's specific, and particularly if there's a behavior that you want to encourage and and have happening more often, I certainly think you can use that uh, without detrimental effects to the child. What I find interesting is that in some of the research that was done in Texas, there was a difficulty in untangling 
the effects of some of the rewards used. And part of that was because of the way teachers then talked to or praised or interacted with the children who then received monetary rewards. And I remember when I talked to one of the researchers down there, one of the big questions that was so outstanding was to figure out, okay, well, if if this is working, is it because the the student is now getting some one-on-one attention from the teacher or is getting a moment of, of maybe authentic interaction with that teacher, or is it because of the reward itself? I'd be very curious to hear from those on the call whether it's difficult to untangle what becomes something that's in you know the child finds intrinsically motivating and what's extrinsically motivating when they have those moments of getting a little bit of attention or having that one-on-one interaction. James, would you like to respond to that? Sure. I agree that it would be difficult to untangle what's really going on because I think often uh, adults use praise, verbal praise, along with other kinds of rewards. So it's difficult to say whether it's the attention, the praise, or what exactly may be happening there. But I think that when rewards are specifically used to try to bring about a behavior, that if parents pair that with specific verbal praise, that that can be a way of eliminating the reward. The reward should probably only be used to get a a behavior going to sort of jumpstart a behavior, and and then you eliminate uh, the reward and continue to use praise and then phase that out because it's no longer needed. Edward, your thoughts on that? I don't see a need to start with the reward. And um, as far as praise goes, I don't like the word praise because praise is all too often used by people as a way to control others and to control kids. So uh, I'm completely in concordance with the idea of supporting and encouraging kids, of letting them know when they've done a job well, of affirming, of expressing your appreciation for things they've done. All of that is straightforward and makes a lot of sense. When it begins to spill over into the area of control, and if the parents have the desire to change their their kids' behavior, then I'm suspicious about whether they'll use any of this in a way that's really helpful as opposed to being controlling. In an article in the journal Young Children, the authors argued that rewards quote, can provide temporary incentives to encourage persistence when the natural invisible rewards of success and mastery are infrequent. If rewards can motivate children to acquire basic skills that can lead to later success, then it is likely that extrinsic rewards can eventually lead to intrinsic motivation. So from the point of view of the early childhood professional, Edward, would you agree that there are times when rewards? It is true that... uh in instances where people appear to have no motivation, using a reward, if that's the best you can do, is the best you can do. So, okay, I've never seen any indication that starting with the use of reward leads to enhancement of intrinsic motivation. There just isn't support for that point of view. Now, You can use extrinsic rewards or other kinds of extrinsic structures in such a way as to encourage children to take greater responsibility for doing the activity themselves because they come to understand the value and importance of it for themselves. It's a matter of their understanding that doing this has some real meaning for me. 
It's an important point. Well, we need to uh, begin wrapping this up. I would like to ask you, Edward, for your best advice for those who live and work with young children. I know most of your work isn't with young children, but... My best advice is to take interest in the children, to be genuinely interested in them, to have the attention for each one of them in whatever ways you can work that out, because I agree with James that a meaningful and sincere relationship with a child that a child has with a teacher, a parent, or any other adult is the thing that's going to be the most encouraging and the most supportive of their being motivated and engaged. Thank you. And James, what's your best advice for those who live and work with young children? Well, I certainly agree with Edward. I I think we can all agree on that. And I think a lot of the conversation about rewards and praise is mostly semantic. I think we're we're all concerned about uh, encouraging children and being supportive and approving them. So we would agree that it probably isn't best to be handing out gold stars and uh, uh, money and pizza for reading and that sort of thing. And Lisa, any final thoughts from you? Just to to make this concrete to those who might be, say, in a preschool classroom, I I think about the um, times when a teacher will say, you know, if you're on your best behavior, you you know, I'm going to pick the the best kids to have lunch with me today. But I certainly have seen kids who react to that. But what's fascinating is that they really just want that moment of, oh, gosh, I'm going to have 10 minutes with a teacher talking to me about, you know, what I'm eating for lunch or what I did yesterday or what we're going to work on next week. And, and it just goes, goes back to what Dr. Chichi was saying in terms of the amount of attention and, and caring that can be supplied as a way of really providing the incentives for, for learning for young children. Okay, so a meaningful, sincere relationship is what we're after from parents and early child professionals. I thank you all for being here today. This topic has fascinated me for years, and I'm so glad you could take part in it with me. You've been listening to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.